Seven episode thirty-seven of the Four Star Spurs podcast. I'm your host Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Tommy. Hey, what's up? And John. Lovely to be with you as always. I just wanted to start today just by uh, kind of letting the listener know we, we definitely appreciate everybody being loyal listeners. Uh, this we've been doing this podcast for seven years now, um, and we've we've thoroughly enjoyed doing it. And we don't want that to end, uh, but we have discussed doing a format change where sometimes the conversation can get a little bit stale and or, or just kind of flippy floppy when uh, things go well one week and then poorly the next. We're kind of flipping back and forth in our thoughts. Um, and we, we just think that maybe it's a good time to kind of switch the format, Not maybe not talk as much about every single match and have more of a... a conversation every month or so about how the state of affairs are going. Um, so I'm going to be hosting a, a, probably about once monthly an episode where we'll just have more of a general conversation about Spurs. Uh, size also talked about stepping in and uh, doing an episode here and there too. So we might still have maybe a couple of months. And also, Catherine will still have her uh, uh, fan supporters uh, segments that she'll be popping in as well. So we're still going to have plenty of content. We're going to be keeping the podcast going, but we're just kind of uh, changing the format and, uh, and and maybe being a little less frequently. So as listeners, I think it'll be important that everybody uh, pays attention to the social media so you know when we have an episode coming out um, um, and, and kind of... Uh, be a little bit more aware to check in every once in a while to see if we popped up with an episode uh, because it won't be as uh, as regular as it is weekly right now. But we definitely appreciate everybody listening and we want to keep you guys on board with uh, w- what we have going forward with kind of our format change. Um, uh, anybody have anything that they want to add to that in general? Okay, well, let's move the conversation along to, uh, to Leeds. Um, so last match of the season, uh, we were kind of in the position where there was a chance that, um, depending upon what happened with the Villa match, we could uh, um, uh, qualify for Europa Conference League, which I don't think many of us really wanted necessarily, other than to have an extra match to watch during the week. Um, but um, but winning was a, was necessary regardless um, to, to be able to have that uh, opportunity. Um, and we were playing against the Leeds that was a relegate in a relegation battle. So I think we, a lot of us came into this a little bit concerned about how the direction that we might go. Um, how were you guys feeling when you saw that lineup come out? Um, um, what did you think Mason was up to? Uh, were you confident that we were going to do well? Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't as confident. I was okay with it. Glad Basuma got the start again. I thought he did well. Uh, Personally, I was just ready for the season to be over with just because of the current state of things. Um, I know Dyer was out. I think he had I, he had some injury or some surgery, if I remember. So I knew Sanchez was probably going to get in. He started. He looked okay-ish, uh, given the circumstances that he hasn't played a lot. And uh, there's a lack of consistency in terms of the games. I mean, I think he did okay, but overall... Can't say I'm too surprised. I think it was par for the course of what Ryan Mason probably would have done anyway. So, oh well. 
John? Um, yeah, I wasn't surprised by the lineup, quite honestly, with the um I didn't know about all of the injuries um and the people that weren't available. Um Dyer's been out for a couple of weeks, Tommy. Um, okay. But uh um but yeah, I I thought it was as probably as good as we could put out. Um, what surprised me the most was the lack of competition from Leeds. Um, I mean, they had to win, and they didn't play like they had to win. Um, and all in all, for us as a last game of the season, a season where we didn't achieve anything, um, it was an entertaining game, and I think we played very well. Yeah, Lucas, what do you think? Yeah, when the lineup came out, I, I was pretty much, I was, I, it was pretty much the same lineup as last week, um, and I thought for sure that there were going to be a lot of goals on each side because that back line that we have, especially with all the injuries now, and it's not very inspiring at all, and it doesn't inspire any confidence that they're going to do a good job. But um, I think I was expecting Leeds to be coming at us full speed and throwing the whole kitchen sink at us and seeing what they could do because they had no other option but to get the win to try and stay up. So I was expecting them to be going full for it. And like you had mentioned, John, we just didn't see it. They didn't seem that they were up for it. They didn't seem like they gave the their fans a real performance there that their fans could be proud of. They seemed like they were just kind of not up for it and nonchalant about it. And I think that allowed us to get on top from the second or third minute. I think, yeah, to your point, Lucas, I, I think getting that early goal, which is what you've been screaming for all season, I think, uh, that was the big difference uh, uh, maker here. And once we did, then they were really chasing the game. They already were going to have to come after us a little bit with this one, which certainly favors us in, in that situation with uh, our attacking quality, um, uh, which is why I think we've done well against Leeds over the last couple uh, seasons just because they tend to be a little bit more free flowing and uh, they they'll come after us a little bit more and they don't have the quality to prevent our counter as much. Um, so I, I think getting that early goal just just made it where like Leeds was always g- going to be chasing this game and I, once that went in I'm like we could score three or four. I was feeling more confident despite the lack of uh, goals and overall performances lately. Uh, go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, that was kind of the thing with that uh, big, good goal with Kane. I, I mean, with Brentford, I was like, okay, like don't screw this up, and then eventually they adjusted. But like with Leeds, I mean, we know the Sam Allardyce offense. It's you know usually the lob, uh, long ball, and dump and chase. But like I, I, Lucas and you guys were saying, like they weren't up for it for some reason. I mean, they got that late or later goal in the second half. Mildly surprised, but I'm like, even so, I like we were, it was we were up 2-1 at the time. So I felt that, like, my biggest thing was, like, let's get a goal first, uh, let's end the season on a high, and I'm like, but the thing with Leeds is, since they're, uh, what, 19th at the time and end up 19th, we get a goal first, they are forced to put on pressure on themselves and keep going. It didn't really happen. Uh and I think, but they kept plugging away. I mean, so fair enough to them, it just didn't work. And we got three goals and the late Lucas Moore goal, you know, it it worked itself on the end. So I'll take it. Well, I think we'll go to John next, but how about how, how about the 
combination that we're seeing with Kane and Poro. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, if you look at the result, 4-1, we gave up one goal, which is a lot less than we've been giving up lately. But uh, And it was a makeshift defence. But how much of that was the defence actually playing quite well or Leeds not really putting them under much pressure? Um, I, I think it's a bit of both, quite honestly. Um, Sanchez didn't look horrible. Um, he has in the past at some stage or another. And Lungley was very um, consistent there. Um, but uh, I don't think... Uh, I th- and I think they should be given some credit for holding them to to one goal. But on the other hand, um, Leeds could have put us under a lot more pressure and we might have seen um, some different... Uh, a different thing in the uh, uh, as far as the goals were concerned, but they didn't put us under any pressure, and that was um, and the defence came out okay. Uh, what do you uh, what do you think about that, Luke? I think you make a good point, and I think one of the reasons, one of the things that was a big difference maker was kind of what Anthony touched on there, where we scored in that third minute, and we kind of that kind of shocked them out of maybe what their game plan was going to be. Um, and I think it put them under pressure and they were chasing the game. And I think the the, uh, the second part about that was how we came out with the second goal right out of halftime. That's something we haven't done this entire season where, yes, we had a nice first half against Brentford. We had a night, uh, nice first half against Bournemouth. We had a nice first half against Palace. But then it's like sometimes we don't come out in the second half and we – allow them to settle in, allow them to put their halftime adjustments into play and grow into the second half. And then that's when we end up giving away the equalizer or something. Then we go trail 2-1 and then it's 3-1 all of a sudden. It's It was really important for us to come out of that second half and Poro just take advantage of those opportunities because we, we always say we get a couple of really good opportunities a game and in the Premier League, you got to be the teams that are going to win are the teams that are going to be capitalizing on those opportunities that they get. And I thought Poro was fantastic with that. I thought for that first goal that Kane had, I thought he was amazing cutting inside that guy and getting the ball out to Sonny. Um, I thought the second goal was a great ball through by Kane to repay the favor. And he got the ball. It was a tight angle, and he just drilled it. Great, perfect goal. So that's the kind of stuff that if you put teams if you put teams away, that's the type of shot that you're going to have to do. And it was really nice to see us come out of halftime with energy and pace and looked like we were hungry for that second goal. And it was amazing to see Poro actually capitalize on that chance. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, and then it just kind of continued. They did finally get that one back, but we were already up two goals. And I wasn't feeling like, oh, well, now we got to like clench the asshole a little bit. I think I may, may, may have even said that in the bar. Okay, I'm going to start clenching a little bit if they start going on the attack. And then it took no time to get to, for Kane to score again and put him down 3-1. So for for us to, to show that, like, okay, you gave up one, but get right back into it. For me, that was that was a, a promising for what we might see next year. Obviously, we don't know what the pieces are going to be next year. We don't know who's going to be coaching us next year. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the second half. But um, but it's promising to maybe see a little bit depth of depth of character with the the people that we have in our squad that we fight back um, in this type of situation and uh, and keep our lead uh, um, uh, keep our lead uh, 
significantly over top of the uh, opponent instead of just like letting them equalize and then trying to have to fight back in the end to to get a winner or or having a um accept having a draw uh late um uh, any other thoughts uh john yeah i um quite honestly i did it did give me a lot of hope for next year but it's a bit like the golfer you know who goes out and uh, has a really miserable lound and then on the 18th hole he hits a 300 yard drive straight down the middle that keeps him coming back and um, I'm not sure whether that's what Spurs were doing to us today but certainly had we played like that all the time this season we would not have been in the situation that we are in now um, I think that the fact that this schizophrenic team that we've talked about in the in the past was not schizophrenic. We got a good effort in the first half and in the second half. Is all uh, are all good signs for for the future. And you know, as Tommy says often, I am the world's greatest optimist as far as Spurs are concerned. And um, I'm always looking for something that's going to be good. Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, I, don't worry. We'll review your predictions in the second half, but. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's great to end the season on a high. We get a win. But I, which I, you brought up the analogy with the whole golf thing yesterday at the bar. So my issue with that is, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, though. I'm like, and I don't want to sound like that asshole, Debbie Downer, but I'm like, yeah, we look good. And I'm like, where was this team this whole year? Um, you know, Harry Kane always on fire. And I actually saw an interesting uh, tidbit for all the contributions, um, whether it be goals, assists, or build-up play for from Harry Kane. If it wasn't for him, we'd be relegated right now with like 34 points. So my, so like ultimately, my question is, whoever the new manager is, and we'll discuss that later. But can we build off this momentum? Do we know who we can build off of next year? Is Harry Kane going to stay? Um, is Richarlison going to be the de facto starter next year? Uh, or is this kind of like the wool over our eyes where, you know, nothing's really changed. We just happen to beat a really shitty team w- that we should have easily. And unfortunately, I'm kind of convinced that it's a ladder just because of the current state of affairs of the squad. Uh, personally, I'm kind of happy the season's over, but at least I don't have to be depressed about it because of this loss. But, um, you know, other than that, like, you know, Lucas, like Lucas was crying at the bar. I mean, fair enough when Lucas Mora had the uh, late goal and it was a great goal nonetheless. So, I mean, at least I'll be, this will keep me in good spirits until the transfer window starts. Anthony. To your point, like, I don't think we can afford to let Kane go. I mean, I think he's more valuable to us at this point, even if it is just for one more year, then what we, what we, anything that we could get, uh, selling him someplace else at this I, point. Um, well, that's, well, that's the thing, Anthony. I mean, I guess we'll talk about this further. I get, but even though I brought it in now, I don't disagree. Technically, my issue is we've been kicking the can very far down the road with this rebuild. You know, th- those three transfer windows with Pochettino, we didn't buy anybody. I told everybody that, and I'm like need to buy new players. I don't care who it is. We need to bring in, uh, we got to keep it, keep the squad fresh, blah, blah. Uh, Jose Mourinho, Nuno, Conte, they paid the price. Uh, this is no easy task. So for me with Harry Kane, 
Let him win some trophies. Sell him for $50 million or whatever. Let's use that money to rebuild because we're not winning anything next year of significance, I don't think. And because of that, I'm like, let's at least recoup some of the money and hopefully the director of football will spend the money wisely. You know, I, I understand that desire and we certainly have to rebuild and he's certainly an asset that we could sell to rebuild with. But he, he's irreplaceable and uh, that money's not going to be used like what are we going to get for him 60 um maybe 60 if we're lucky that but that's and, the thing like 60, that 60, 60 more we would have gotten compared to next season that would only buy us like a richarlson it's it, um I'm, I'm just saying we got to start somewhere he's he's, irre, he's irreplaceable um, I think having the one more year of him while we start to to get rid of the other pieces and rebuild the, the squad uh, might be a little bit more. And I just want to point out, like, Kane, like, with his two two goals this match, um, you know, he's he's 36, which is uh, he broke 30 with his goal scoring, and that would be probably a golden boot in most other seasons. I mean, Holland did have 36, but... Um, Kane had a much better shot ac- accuracy than than Holland did this year. Oh no, this was With a sixty-three percent to fifty-six percent, and when you, when you're looking at that that difference, um, uh, and you're playing on a team like, like Spurs that really didn't have weren't feeding him the ball that well, like it shows how stellar of a player he is. Um, I might rather keep him along, around no. as long as possible. But but that's the, but I think that's the reason why he was doing so well this season because he had to. He didn't have the supporting cast of like Erickson, Deli, Ali, Usain, and Bailey from years before, and Son from years ago. So because of that, he had a shoulder load, and I mean, technically he did um, because of his output. But I mean, if he, years ago with Deli, uh, Erickson, Son, like they all spread the wealth a little bit more. And this year we had no choice. Go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think one thing that's interesting though is it's just an interesting thought. Is I, I have a feeling that it might be smarter to get. Well, I am pro selling Harry in the summer. I am. I'm on. I'm in the same camp as Tommy, where I just I know this is going to be a three four year project that this rebuild is going to be and. The, we're not the, the fact is we're not winning anything of that. We're not winning the league next year. We might make a cup run, but that would be it. Um, we got a lot of rebuilding to do, and we can't afford to not take any kind of – we can't afford to have him for one season that lets us finish seventh and not and pass on the opportunity of getting money that we can use to refresh the squad. Now, my hope is that we actually do that second part because that's what you mentioned, Anthony, like, even if we get the money, it doesn't mean a damn thing until we know and we can have confidence in the fact that we're going to reinvest it in our squad and reinvest it wisely, not just do what we did with Bale and go out and spend like all the hundred million at one time and end up getting one good player out of it. Um, so we're going to be a relegation level team without them, as Tommy. Yeah, but if out, we bring in like we bring uh, in a couple guys with health, we can't we're, trust we're have a healthier squad back. We'll have. We still have a lot of good players that can really like compete in this league. Like Richarlson, Richarlson, if he's our starter, I have confidence that he can have a great 20, 25 goal season. Um, but there's, there's a, especially him playing in his natural position, which he hasn't been able to do this year. 
But I think the thing with Harry is one of the reasons that I would like to get him out as well is he's so good and he's so special and he's so dynamic in so de- like so many different areas that I think it masks a lot of our inefficiencies as a team. I think he covers up a lot of our weaknesses because he's so good and can like we don't have a midfielder that's able to distribute the ball in an attacking on the attack. He ends up doing it 90% of the time. He'll facilitate it out to Poro and then run up top, or he'll facilitate it up to Sonny and then run up to meet him. So it's like Kane is – he's so good that it's its, it's almost like uh, he basically masks our weaknesses. Well, he was basically playing that position in this uh, in this Leeds match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, And I could see a, a place where, like, instead of buying an attacking midfielder, and I would love a James Madison, don't get me wrong – but instead of buying that midfielder, just using Harry Kane in that role this upcoming I, year, I would love it. Everything yeah. goes through him, um, and, and then just focus on improving the attack, like replacing Son, who's uh, kind of going downhill and things like that. I kind of want to hear what John has to say about this whole conversation. Where do you fall on the Harry Kane? Uh, well, uh, I just got to uh, the first thing I want to say, Tommy. No, Tommy. No, Lucas. No. Um, do I think we should get rid of Kane? Absolutely not. Um, I, I don't see that, uh, that that would be a good thing. I think that he's the kind of player you build a team around, not use the whatever money you would get for him um, to uh, to start to rebuild. You're, you're then rebuilding from a much lower level than you would be if you had him in the team. So, no, I don't think we should get rid of Kane. I think we should um, build around him. Maybe as he does get a a little older, um, we can play him in in a driving midfield position, which he's very, very good at already, and then take the pressure off him a bit to score the goals, but let, but I'm sure he's going to score a lot anyway. But uh, maybe play the team around, uh, uh, move the team around a little bit with him playing in a in a slightly different position. But uh, no, I, I, I cannot fathom why we would want to get rid of Kane at this point. And um, I would be gutted if we got rid of him. So yeah, I, I think we fall in similar camp. I understand why rebuilding sometimes you have to let assets go but uh harry kane's like a once a generation player i think you keep him as long as possible um uh, regardless of whether there's value to be had uh but i think with one year left on his contract the value is just not there to make it worth uh sacrificing uh losing him and if, if we bring in a new coach and he buys into it maybe he sticks around longer and and uh um Okay, you guys are uh, disagreeing. Uh, I'll let, uh, um, I'll let uh, Lucas tack- tackle first, and then Tommy. Yeah, no, I I, I disagree with John, but or actually, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what John is saying. My my let's sell him point comes from I don't believe that Harry's going to want to stay. I would love the idea of building like building the team around him, but Harry's come out and said that like since Poch has left, he said like or in the, since the last year, Poch he's like the morale. And the intensity hasn't been there, and the focus hasn't been there from the squad. I think he's ready to move on. I think this is a nice season for him. That I think he had a really great season that he can be proud of as his last year. He's also getting up there in age and has history with um, ankle problems. Like he's done both ankles multiple times. So it's like I just I don't see him 
I just don't see it working out in terms of him with the future. I think he's going to want to move on and go win some trophies. But ideally, I would love the idea of building the team around him. It's just I don't think with with him too. It's like if we we can't even settle on a manager. We can't find anyone like he doesn't want to be part of this circus anymore. Most likely, so that's why I'm saying just take the money in that sense as opposed to the one extra year. A legitimate indication we had that he doesn't want to remain part of it at this point, other than he hasn't re-upped his contract, um, which wouldn't make sense for him to do right now, probably anyway, because he wants to see what's going to happen. But has he said any, anything that indicates that he that he he wants to leave uh, it's, Central, it's, City? Uh, it sounds like he's been very cryptic about it. I think he learned his lesson with yeah. the city thinking his brother. He probably told his brother, you know, shut the fuck up. Um, He's keeping it all on the download yeah. this time, and he learned like, lesson. Yeah, it's like okay, people come to you for your for the dealings, but it's like people have questions. You direct them to me, type deal. But uh, no, like what Lucas said, John, I I I agree with you guys overall. But I'm like, yeah, Harry Kane's probably the best generational talent that we've had in, and I don't want to, and I say this statistically speaking, but I don't mean this overall because nobody would admit it, but, like, he's probably the best homegrown talent since Sol Campbell. Let's be realistic here. So, yeah, we should keep him as long as we should, but I'm like, no player is bigger than the club, you know? I mean, do you support Harry Kane or do you support Tottenham Hotspur, you know? So, for me, I'm like, that's why I'm trying to be more realistic with this. I don't think and, you have to support one or the other is what I would answer to that. No, I, like no but... Analogy, I, but um... But you get what I'm saying, though, is like, yeah, Harry Kane might have roped you in or like people back in the day, you know, Gareth Bale, you know, like they roped them in. But like overall, you support Spurs, good or bad or for better or for worse. And so for me, it's like kind of like the whole and John and Lucas, you'll know since you're long time longer fans than I've been kind of like with Teddy Sheringham. Let him go to wherever, win some trophies. Maybe he'll come back when he's 35 and then. you know, do that way. But it's, but regardless of what our opinions are, it's damned if you do and damned if you don't. And for me, you know, Daniel Levy has been getting a lot of grief. Um, when I was in London, what, last week, talked to a bunch of Levy out people. And with that, it's, you know, Levy has been risk averse when it comes to the squad since the stadium has been built, more or less. Put up or shut up. And I'm like, you know, it, it, say if he do, if we do sell Kane and we try to invest kind of what we do with Gareth Bale, I can at least say at least we tried instead of adding to our misery for or for another year. I'm like, if we sell Harry Kane and we buy these players and we're building towards something, say if it backfires kind of like with the Bale 7, I'm like, you know, at least we try to do something here instead of fucking around and whatever. Uh, John, I know you're itching to speak, so you want to speak? Well, I, yeah, I wanted to go back to the original question, which Anthony asked, which is, have we heard anything from Kane to suggest that he is unhappy? And the answer is no, he hasn't said anything. Everything that's been put in his mouth by journalists, uh, but I don't, I don't believe, and I'm almost certain of this, that he has not um voiced any complaints he hasn't voiced any dissatisfaction um and i now that doesn't mean to say that he isn't dissatisfied 
but he certainly has not expressed it in any way. And, you know, is it all about winning trophies? Um, I know that it, a lot of players do think that it is, but he has a, a great life. He's, he's making buckets of money. He's got a happy family. He's living um, in an area that, um, that, that he enjoys. I think he's, he's happy with his life. And that could all change. And I think that's a consideration. Yeah, Anthony. And I think to, to your point, John, um, I don't think Levy's going to sell him for a fair price in league. And I don't think Kane wants to, to leave his home where he's got a family and go to like a PSG or a, a, like a, a Madrid. Like, I, I think he wants to, to stay in league. And I just don't think that there's going to be the will to to sell him in league unless he like another, uh, he has another baby on the way too yeah yeah when i and i would be willing to put a 20 spot bet on this lucas uh, you're a gambler you'll probably take this up with me that, that <laughs> when when we start the season next year kane is still uh, um in the this in in the spurs squad um you want to take that bet bet no because i actually think you i think you will uh, i think you'll be right okay Okay, I would, so wager, I would put my money where you would. Yeah, okay. See, so. that, that's I mean, the thing with me because I was, I was actually thinking, I was entertaining the thought for a split second, but I'm like, let's be realistic. If we don't sell him, Daniel Levy's going to do anything, everything to promote the hell out of him to recoup that fifty million for the next season, and just run out his contract. Uh, so, because yeah. that's the thing, it, it, I. I feel like it's a very 50-50 call if he leaves or not. And, you know, of course, it's ultimately up to Daniel Levy with the price. So, Yeah, no, definitely. You know. Good conversation we had to have. I'm glad we knocked this conversation out in the first half. But before we wrap up this first half, I do want to talk about the Lucas goal a little bit. I know Tommy brought it up real fast. Um, uh, we, were, we were just breaking it in uh, with a 0 on the Spurs uh, at the pub. Uh, we're about to get to the, the point and this Lucas goal comes out of n- nowhere. And I believe Lucas, I'm going to let you start. I believe I saw a tear in your eye when it, when it happened. So I'm going to let you tackle this first. Oh, there were several tears. I was, I was so emotional. That was, um, that was such a special ending for a really special player. And I was just, I had just been talking to Michael. We were standing there where we sat, where we stand in the pub and, I had said earlier that uh, in the second half, I was hoping he would get some kind of run out um, in the second half, get to put him on at any point, just because I wanted the last thing that I didn't want for such a special player with such a special career for us. I didn't want the last thing that we remember him by was being that horrible giveaway fucking us over against Liverpool. I didn't want that to be the last thing that we get to remember him by. So I was really hoping he would get even like an assist or some kind of action in that game. And then he comes on and of course, gets subbed on in the 90th and four minutes later just runs past. Now I will say that in watching it, the, the, a couple of those leads defenders at the back gave a real half-assed effort, but the first guy came in, he just undressed him, dribbled by him, took the ball. That's the exact type of, it was such a Lucas Mora goal in the sense that that's what he does. It doesn't matter who we play. doesn't matter if we're up five, down five, first minute, 90th minute, anytime he's on, He's looking to drive the ball forward with effort and intensity. And does he always complete the final pass? No. Most of the time he's going to put the ball behind someone or it's not going to go the perfect way. 
Um, but that type of that type of passion is something that is pretty unique to like him and a, probably him alone. There's not a lot of guys on our team that have that type of effort and that type of drive 24 seven, every minute of the game. And that's something that we've seen from him from the first day he walked on the pitch. Um, I think the first start he got, we were playing like Rochdale or somebody and we had like a whole jumbled squad and he looked just flying around the pitch all up for it. And to the last five minutes of his career, it was the same way. So it was just, it was such a fitting end for such a really, really special guy. And I wish him all the luck in his new ventures that he goes on. But um, that player is fully taught him through and through. And I couldn't have been more excited for him. Anybody have anything to add there? Um, I think Lucas covered it pretty well. I mean, it, it, yeah, we, we wish him well. Like, yeah, he had the... A lot of times his efforts would run into a brick wall. Uh, when we saw him come on, but we had that magic uh, uh, Ajax and it's um, or magic in Amsterdam, whatever you want to call it. And uh, did the first hat trick at the new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to, and to see, see him just uh, put some, uh, some magic out there again, one more time for us before he's no longer a spur player. And he truly loved the club. I think that was a great, great thing to see. Um, but let's uh, switch shift the conversation to um, MVP, um, and uh, I think we haven't heard from um, John in a while, so we'll start with John for MVP. Well, it's going to be an unusual one, but I'm going to say Lucas Moura. I know he was only on the pitch for a few minutes, but that goal was reminiscent of others' fantastic goals that he has scored when he's gone past three or four people. Um, so I, I. I'm going to give it to Lucas Moura um, because of the fact that it was his last game and that moment was magical. And that's it's probably uh, not fair, but I don't care. Yeah, so it's a magic moment. We're, uh, he's MVP due to magic. I, 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 I could understand that. Uh, Tommy, who do you have? Okay, so, I mean, Harry Kane's an obvious choice, of course, because he's got two goals. But uh, I'm giving it to Pedro Poor because I thought he was everywhere. He was, he is the right wing back that we sorely needed. Um, that is no shame on Emerson Royale, of course. But he had the goal, he had the assist, and I'm, yeah. While the state of the squad and the team is in flux, I'm very excited to see what happens when we have a full season. Part of me kind of wonders what would have happened if we actually he played for us for a full season. Um, we would look a lot better, but that's beside the point. But, yeah, he played great. There are some inconsistencies here and there over the course of his half season with us, but you can definitely tell we got a player here. Uh, Lucas, who do you have? Uh, I actually had Poro as well written down. So, yeah, he was... As Tommy mentioned, I wish I really, really wish we had signed him in the summer and didn't wait till January. We might have a we might be in a different position right now. But yeah, Poro was all over the place. Um and he was exactly what we needed to just get past that weak, weak leads line. He was just tearing them apart. Good on him. Well, this is quite strange because Harry Kane scored two goals, facilitated so much throughout this whole thing. I uh, had an assist, of, I believe, as well, right? The Poro assist. So, yeah, two goals of assist. And um, 
I'm picking Basuma to be my MVP. <laughs> None of us are picking Harry Kane, which this is probably a bit unfair. But that's what I, he does, though. He's so good that it's it, it, sometimes we're just numb to it. We just like, we're, it's just a regular day. It's like ah, two goals and assists. It's just Harry being Harry. No, no big deal. But once in a generation player that I just talked about, like uh, wow, <laughs> and now I'm giving Basuma the MVP, but. 94.9% pass at, uh, uh, success rate for Basuma. Three tackles, three interceptions, three clearances, one shot blocked. Like, I thought he had an amazing game. Like, um, all of our midfield woes that we've had um, just seem to have become less uh, since Basuma's been back and been set loose to, to play the game that he plays. And I'm very excited about him next year. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did overlook him when I was thinking of MVP and LVP. But, I mean, I'm not saying he's like Moose and Bailey, but, like, he's in the it, he, he's kind of in the similar player that I look for. Like, if he does everything that's needed, he probably should go unnoticed. Like, I knew that he played well yesterday because I didn't yell at him. And everything that he did was great, but I'm like – if you have a central midfielder like that, like that's usually how it, or for me at least, that's usually how it should go. Or a center back, same thing. It's like, if you don't really hear their name, probably, they're probably doing their job pretty well. Yeah, no, definitely. But sorry, Kane, like I feel like one of us should have picked you. But um, but yeah, I, I think we've got all good cases right there. And Kane knows he's that good. So uh, let's give these other guys uh, the credit. Uh, how about LVP? Um, uh, uh, let's go back to John. Uh, do you have anybody that you think underperformed this uh, uh, yesterday? I don't think anybody underperformed, but the guy that frustrated me the most yesterday was Son. Um, he tried to go past players a lot and failed almost all the time. And maybe he needs to think about not trying that one trick that has worked in the past that the other the opposition's figured out um i mean he didn't have a bad game and he he did push some nice passes around but i did get frustrated with him um continually losing the ball which you can't afford to do so it's difficult to give everybody uh, to give anybody an lvp when the the team itself played so well um but maybe uh, the most frustrating player then would for me was Son. That makes sense. Uh, Tommy? Yeah, so, John, I agree where we played, the team overall played well, but, I mean, I think you brought up some valid points with Son, but I would say my most frustrated player was actually Dayon. Yeah, I'm his biggest fan, and I always want him to do well, but it wasn't clicking. And I brought up in a previous episode – I've talked to Lucas and some other people at the bar about this a few times where when I was watching him play for Sweden, he just, he, like, he was man of the match for one of those matches, but, like, Sweden just looked like shit as a whole. So, but I'm like, he looks so bad in terms of his speed. Like, he, I know he's not the fastest, but just, like, agility or just getting off the mark, going for sprints, didn't look good. And I think, oh, like, the fact that he's been kind of, or this calendar year, he hasn't been great. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he actually had a neck niggling injury. Um, so because of that, I'm like, maybe this next couple, next month, he gets some proper rest. 
can recuperate. But I'm like, this is not like kind of like with you with John uh, with Son. This is not the player that we know he can be. Well, and you have to be a little concerned. Is is he maybe a one trick pony? Uh, I know we've had that conversation on this podcast in the past, but um, but it, it seems like he's got like more creativity than that. But like, um, well, teams figured out that his cut in and, and well, that's that, that's a thing though. Everybody talks about this with some other players. Aryan Robin, for example, strictly left foot, always would cut in, barely uses right foot, but he was a friggin' world beater. Um, a guy not exactly world beater but on his day he was great uh ricardo charisma he was strictly right foot he he could cross like crazy like even if he cut inside he'd shoot on he'd uh cross with the outside of his right foot so i'm like him being a one-trick pony is not really the worst thing in the world he had i mean there's been times where he's used his right foot but i'm like if you're a one-trick like i'll try to qualify like with david beckham if you're a one-trick pony like him where you can just whip the ball in, whether it be cross, free kick, or whatever, like, yeah, you definitely have some worth. And he had his worth. Like, Dayon, same thing, but, like, but with the modern game with Dayon, like, he has other facets to his game as well. So, I mean, like, I think when he was at Brentford, he was, like, the de facto corner taker, and he looked pretty decent. So, I'm like, there's... I don't know. I, I just don't subscribe to it, is my ultimate answer. Uh, Lucas, who do you have for LVP, if anybody? I didn't have anybody. I thought everybody played a solid game, and I think that we had a we had one moment where we lost concentration for a bit, and then I think we did a great job just strapping down and getting our concentration back and going re, retaking that two-goal lead within a couple minutes. So I just I thought everybody played really sound. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree. Like, uh, I definitely understand John's point. I had some frustration with Son at times. I understand Tommy's point. I had a little bit of frustration with Dayon, but I think uh, uh, he also had some good moments where I thought like he was going to create the breakthrough for us. Um, so I don't think he was uh, like it, it would be harsh for me to give it to anybody. So I'm going to agree with Lucas. Uh, I don't have an LVP this time around. Um, any last thoughts on this Leeds match before we go to half? Um, okay, well, um, I think this is a good place to go to half. Uh, we are going to talk about the, the, the slot rumors and the coach search um, in our search for a director of football. Uh, we're, we are going to have our season wrap-up conversation, and uh, Tommy will give us the results of our season predictions and see how we all did, uh, uh, how we all scored. Uh, but first, uh, John is going to give us an under-20 World Cup update for Spurs players. Thank you, Anthony. And um, yes, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, something that's not getting a great deal of press, and that is currently the um, under-20 World Cup is um, being played. And England are doing very well at the moment, but I think it's significant because of the contributions that are being made by um, Tottenham players in the England side. Um, England have made the last round of uh, 16. They won their round-robin division. They won two and drew one. They scored three goals, um, one of which was by Scarlett, who we will remember was uh, on loan at Portsmouth last year, and the other by 
Devine that um, he has been playing for the Spurs under 21 team this year and is getting a lot of great reviews. So we've got um, significant presence in the in the England World Cup team. The next game is on Wednesday and it's against Italy, who came second in their group, but no great shame in that as Brazil did win the group. But um, if you're looking for something, if you're looking for football now and you're missing the Premier League already, like I am, uh, these games are on Fox Sport 2. Um, it's really lovely to see Devine um, actually taking control of the midfield. He's been the player of the match uh, so far or the player of the tournament so far for England. And it's nice to see Scarlett scoring goals because that's what we need him to do. So keep an eye out for that, and um, I'm sure you'll find it interesting if you if you tune in and turn on and um, watch uh, some Spurs players in action. Now the Premier League is over, so there we are. Back to you, Anthony. Well, thanks as always, John. Uh, that's uh, it's good to see our young players actually doing well in that tournament. It's yeah, I I think now that there isn't Premier League, it's. Uh, I will be a little bit more interested in tuning into that tournament and see where it goes. Uh, um, and it's, it's nice to see um, some performances coming out of those players. Uh, Cause who knows, maybe they, if they don't make our squad someday, at least they might be a good asset to, to move on to other teams and we can see them play for uh, other teams in the league, even uh, um, and see what kind of quality that, um, that they become over, over the years. So, Definitely a good uh, thing for people to start following during this uh, break. During the break, um, we're probably not going to be having very many episodes, but I'm sure we'll end up having at least an episode before uh, the, the the season begins uh, where we kind of hash out what happens with the coach search, what happens uh, w w with our player acquisitions over the transfer window. Um, but first, I want to just start having a conversation about this coach search. So um, we saw Chelsea obviously uh, land Pochettino. He has signed on the line. It's official now. Um, um, and they, they uh, fired their uh, coach, uh, Grand Potter, after we, we fired Conte. So we've had more time to kind of work on this decision. And we've all talked about the ups and downs of, of this search over the last... Uh, um a uh, few months of episodes we've we've kind of been uh back and forth on uh who we're going to bring in at this point um and really this week what the media was focused in on the most was this uh arn slot uh move um and he, he came out at, this week and basically said that he is going to stay with Feyenoord um, which you can kind of understand. He got the he got the championship there. He's going to be in the um, um, uh, the the Champions League uh, next year with that team. Why would he want to come to a, a Spurs team where we're we're not even in Europe at this point? Uh, you can understand why it wouldn't be the right time for him. But I think there was a lot of hope that he would be the, our guy and some excitement once the Nagelsmann uh, deal kind of fell apart um but I, I this has kind of put fans in uh like a dark place uh once again where we're like uh, um if 
I think they feel like we're screwing up. Uh, Spurs are screwing up again. Uh, where do you guys fall on this? Do you think uh, we're, we're completely mismanaging this, or is this just the media like uh, pumping up deals that really aren't that far along, um, and we just kind of have to wait out the process to see where we go with this? Uh, because we need a director of football too and a head coach. Um, so, Lucas, you, you want to tackle that first? Yeah, I think well, you mentioned the director of football. I think that's a big aspect in this too. Not a lot of not a lot of people want to come in blind, and we already know that not a lot of managers want to deal with Daniel Levy to begin with. Um, and then coming in blind and not understanding what the project is going to be, what the director of football situation is going to be, what my training or my uh, spending budget is going to be. There's a lot of unknowns for managers, so some of these big name, big team, uh, or big name managers are just immediately dismissing any opportunity with us. Um, but I think to your point. A lot of the fans are frustrated because we've been down this road before, and this is exactly how it felt the last time. We had a big-name manager that we had promising links to, and apparently we are going to be talking to, and then all of a sudden it falls through, and then we get another opportunity for another young, talented manager that decides to stay, and then it's, it's, it's very, it just feels exactly like it did the last time. And you're right. Maybe this is the media trying to sensationalize all these maybe they're putting a lot more uh they're making things seem like they're a lot further along than they are when it's just basic talks but i think the problem is like i said we felt exactly like this the last time we went down this road and that ended up being an absolute circus so i I don't have the confidence that we've learned our lesson and it doesn't look like we have it i would have hoped that we would be a lot further along in the process we've had what six or seven weeks now since Conti got sacked it's like we've had a lot of opportunities here to be further along than we are and I just hope to God we get this sorted out quick and don't end up doing exactly like we did with the Nuno situation uh John um I agree with you Lucas I think that um it's going to take um that somebody's very special to come into Tottenham and I don't think that we're top of the list of manager, uh, we're top of the list of clubs that uh, managers would want to go to at the moment. Our track record is abysmal. Um, a lot of good managers uh, have come and uh, and gone. So, what is the incentive for a new, uh, for experienced manager to come in? I don't think there is a great deal of uh, of incentive. I think that there is an opportunity for someone to make his name now. And, you know, if we're looking at someone like that, then uh, why not continue with the same manager we've had um, since Mason? Um, because somebody's going to make their name at Tottenham. I Because those are the kind of player, those are the kind of managers that are going to look to us to actually want to join us. I don't think we're going to get an experienced manager that has done well somewhere else um, to come to us uh, unless they're out of work, quite honestly. I think it's it's going to be very difficult. Um, as to one of your points, Lucas, you said we, we wish we were further along. I don't think we know how long, how far, far along we are. Um, I don't believe the, anything the press says, and uh, we could be close to making a decision. We could be a long way from making a decision, but I don't think we know um, where that is going. 
um, or what the situation is. I have a funny feeling that you're right, Lucas, that they haven't, uh, that they aren't very far along. But I wouldn't say that for sure. Uh, Anthony. I just want to jump in with a really quick point to to that point where how far along we are. And I agree, we don't really know. Um, it could be that, that we're much further along than we think. And it, the media is just not picking up on the actual uh, story. Um, but I think when I start to get concerned will be um, when the, the transfer window is about to open. If we don't ha- have a director of football, um, we already have Mun in place, which seems to be creating that wall between uh, Levy that we've all been asking for. Uh, we'll see if that actually works. But if we don't have a director of football and a coach in place, so we're talking about two and a half weeks from now. Um, uh, I think it's the 14th of uh, June is when uh, um, the, the window opens uh, for player transfers. Um, if we don't have is it, in, then is it not July 1st? Um, no, no, I believe it's uh, the middle of June. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, we, we'll, we'll fact check that uh, while we talk or, or I'll fact check it. Well, 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 you talk, Tommy, but regardless, if we don't, by the time the window opens, if we don't have a, um, oh. a plan in place. Okay, I don't know. I guess it changed, but yeah, you're right, June 14th. Okay, that's what, that's what I, I thought. But, um, I didn't realize it changed then. That's so um, bizarre. But yeah, I'll say my piece. Yeah, I mean, collectively, I agree with you guys. We don't know what's going on, of course. Um, Daniel Levy does close it have his cards close to his chest as he usually does I wouldn't be surprised I'm not saying he's fucking around so to speak I believe what happened with Slot and Nagelsman is maybe briefly talked to both of them but we definitely talked to their agent and they're probably like okay we're, we're interested what do you want or what kind of control do we have and it's like I get control over fees blah blah um you can only ship out a certain amount because this is probably gradual. I don't know, whatever. And they probably both balked at because they're, and these are not unreasonable either, probably, or not unreasonable requests where they're probably like, no, I want total control of the senior squad. You know, I want to bring in who I want. I want to ship out who I want. Yeah, fees maybe to a certain degree, but I'm like, if they don't fit my system or I don't want them, I have the right to get rid of them. Uh, it That should be the case, but I'm like, realistically, Kind of to what John said. I mean, we've been rumored to get the guy from Celtic. I don't even know if that's that would even be a good idea. Postacoglu or Postacoglu? Yeah, or... some Australian. I, I not even because he's Australian. Just the fact we ha- we actually have a decent core right now. Kind of when Pochettino came in. Uh, I think we could get somebody better. I just don't know who. Ryan Mason, though, if he if he was manager, I would like to get him for him to get a little bit more training as a, as an assistant manager. But if he became manager, I wouldn't be too mad. I'm not saying I've been impressed with what he's been doing, but a lot of my gripes is take these players off. If they suck, take these or we're down by one and like sub this player on 60th minute instead of like the 85th minute, you know, uh, so in terms of, like, game management, I'm not too mad at that. But, I mean, like, realistically, I'm like, what? I don't know who else we have. Uh, Lucas, you got, I know you're itching to say something. What do you got? 
No, I just, I think that like with what John had mentioned with getting an experienced, a seasoned manager, a successful manager, it's going to be very difficult because of the way we operate um, and we do business at the club. As Tommy had mentioned too, with uh, like what certain managers requests are, if you're a seasoned successful manager that has a good track record of winning, you're going to want to come into Tottenham and have basic controls over spending, over getting players out on loans, getting players in on loan, uh, shipping players off, selling players. You're going to want to have a lot of control, which is something that most managers are allowed to get. And I don't think an experienced manager wants to come in and look at our track record as a club and deal with Daniel Levy in that sense, where in the over 20 years that Daniel Levy's been here only once out of like how many managers only one time has he ever re like renewed a manager's contract. So it's clear that there's some track record of managers not getting along with him and not having the basic controls that they need. So I don't think we're going to be getting a seasoned successful manager that's willing to just come in and relinquish all of the controls that he's basically used to having. So I think John's right. We're probably going to have to look for some, a younger guy that is maybe a little bit greener around the gills and is okay with just, kind of being a yes man to Daniel Levy. Well, and I think uh, the pasta Coglu or whatever his pronunciation is on his name, um, I think he might be the exception for an older coach that, yeah, he, he coached in Australia, he coached in other countries, and now he's having success in Scotland, which isn't tough when you're uh, running Celtic. Um, but... Um, like a guy like that would might be hungry to get to the Premier League and, and might ha have interest regardless of our position in the uh, um, uh, Champions League or Europe in general. Um, there there might be more appeal for him to break in. Um, so a guy like that might be the exception. Um, I like what I'm reading in the sense that um, it, it seems like. He he follows more of like a pep style uh, system, um, which I think could be exciting to watch. Um, but again, like we just don't know how he's going to translate into the league. Uh, we've seen it work before coming from Scotland, a uh, success. We've seen it uh, not work. Uh, so it's um, it's really a matter of uh, uh, whether we want to go with somebody that's a, a bit more experienced, but uh, probably hungry um, or uh, somebody young like Ryan Mason or, uh, or somebody else from who's just breaking into the sport that really wants to get their feet wet. Um, uh, I think this might be a good place to go to our question. Uh, so um, we get a question from uh, big Mike on Twitter, uh, Tommy. Um, you have that queued up? Uh, yes, I do. Sorry, I was on mute at the time. Okay, so Mike, his question is, uh, what are you more willing to forgive, hiring a poor manager or hiring a poor director of football? Assume either or sacked by February. Uh, I'll just kick things off. Realistically, director of football, kind of like in American sports, GM. Uh, so they're the ones pulling the string strings. Uh for the whole inner workings of the sporting side, so to speak. So poor manager, I'm like, if it goes bust, that's fine. But if they're the, so it could be like, if that manager would be, have bad training methods, bad tactics. Okay. You bust, but the director of football, they get a lease on like a second lease uh, usually. So 
I'd be more forgiving if for that aspect. It's tough to pick one or the other, to be honest. I mean, like we need both to be at least relatively successful, or at least we have to be able to buy into it as a long-term project, I think is the bigger thing right now. Because we haven't bought into anything long-term over the last few seasons, um, and I think that's that's key. And if it's a bust after two or three years, then uh, then yeah. But like, it, assuming that they're going to be gone in six months, then something's gone horribly wrong because we really need to move past that where we're doing that. Uh, that's my one uh, uh, input there. But let's. Um, I think John, you had your hand up next. Yeah, I I just wanted to say a, a couple of things about this and. This question is a bit like the old question, you know, how long, Mr. Jones, have you been beating your wife? Um, it, it's an unanswerable question um, if you haven't been beating your wife. But uh, do we need a good manager? Of course we do. Do we need a new director of uh, football? Of course we do. And um, I don't think uh, that we should be asking what would be better or worse because quite honestly it's an impossible question to ask uh, to answer um i would like to say something about some of the uh, one of the things that i have heard that levy has been difficult to work with um it, it has been told we've been told by the press that on occasion he has put the kibosh on a transfer because we wouldn't pay enough money we wouldn't pay enough um salary and somebody has to be doing that um you can't if you've got your best scorer making x uh you can't bring somebody in and pay him double x without messing up the entire team and then having to adjust all the other salaries that are on the team um so yes it's a business because we can't afford to go out and uh uh, and spend huge amounts of money uh, because then that would increase our total bill by a lot. Um, we're restricted by the the, um, the regulations as to how much we can spend. And I do understand um, that because the company is making more money, that will allow us to spend more money on players, which I think is a, is a good thing. But we've, uh, I don't think Levy should be criticized for not accepting a transfer if it doesn't work within our financial the way our finances are working um so you know i i just wanted to to put that in um but as far as the question is concerned i i don't really yeah yeah i don't think that uh that it makes any sense to answer the question yeah okay i uh, i i like your answer any other things on this question before we move the conversation along into the uh, season wrap-up? I think this is a good place to move into that conversation. So let's have that conversation. So we came into the season. I think some of us were hopeful. We had Conte. We had we had a good end to the last season um, under Conte. Uh, it kind of looked like it was, the pieces were coming together. Um, we knew that it was going to be a weird year with the World Cup. We made lots of lots of purchases uh, over the summer. Uh, not all of them were for now. It wasn't clear how many of them were for players that Conte wanted to bring in. Um, and then we kind of rode through this season. Um, there was a lot of frustration in the fan base. It, 
it led to us to the point where we were um, uh, ultimately sacking Conti. Um, I'd even mentioned the World Cup in that first half of the season being like a real like, like uh, uh, kind of ruining any direction that you could develop at the time. Um, but now we're kind of where we're at. Um, you know, we finally landed on Mason to see out the season. Um, and I think most fans are at least more interested in what we're watching than, than we were. Um, but how, how are you guys sitting on this uh, season as a whole at this point? Um, um, who wants to tackle the, the season as an overall picture? Uh, I think Lucas beat, beat John just by a second for his hand up first. So go ahead, Lucas. Um, obviously, you can use the word disappointment. Um, I think it was. I think we didn't do. A, I didn't do. We didn't do a good enough job the way we spent in the summer, um, and I think that really hurt us. It was a big. There was a lot of stuff going on with not getting the right guys in, and then Conti's ability, Conti's inability to be flexible. The World Cup injuries, um, it was it all just kind of turned into a circus, but it was just it's so disappointing how great we started at the beginning of the year with achieving like our record uh, start with the most points we've ever gotten in our first how like eight games, I think it was. Um, and so there was so much promise and we felt like there was a chance that Conti might extend his contract and we could start building something for the future. And so it's just it's. It's it's very disappointing to see how we felt after the first couple of weeks and how we sit here after the final day and where we're at, because now we're looking at a several year project. And and unfortunately, I do believe that it's going to have to it's going to suck. It's going to get worse until it gets better. We're going to have to we're going to have to get a lot of guys out, a lot of guys in and we're going to have to restart from square one. But I, I do believe that that's the way to do it. And it it's going to take some ripping down to rebuild but uh and you look at arsenal what they did where it's they were they made some tough decisions they had a couple of years of sucking and they stayed the course they trusted their process and now they're a very very good football team with a lot of potential for the future and a really good core group of young players that all believe in their system and their manager and that's what we're going to need to try and get to and it just as a season it just was it was so disappointing the way we played that first half we would the first half of the season like before the world cup when we were told to like preserve energy and it looked like we would just walk around for 45 minutes and do nothing. And then just, just bombard the other team for the second half. And then towards this end of the season, it was the opposite where we only played well in the first half and then just got overcorrected by their out coached or out, out adjusted at halftime. It just, it was such a circus of a season and it, it's really disheartening to think of like how the, the complete 180 in terms of feelings that we felt at the beginning of the season with all the potential and the hope in the world. And now we're in a pretty grim place, hoping for, hoping for a miracle to get this back on the right track. John? Um, actually, Lucas, I agree with every word you said. Um, that was pretty much exactly what I was going to say. Um, but the other thing I was going to mention was that I am preparing myself to remove a um, huge quantity of egg off of my face when uh, Tommy tells us what our predictions were at the beginning of the year. So, um, I'm Tommy, I'm ready for that. You've, uh, I, 
egg is egg is all over the place in this uh, as far as i'm concerned here but uh, you know but the season yeah disappointing circus are all words that i would have used too and um yeah very very much less than i anticipated we would have i thought we were going to have a great season and we didn't so so go ahead, so what you guys were saying, though, I'm just like, I I mean, originally I felt like we limped our way to fourth place. We got a little bit lucky, you know, Arsenal choking, which is always a great sight to see. But in terms of transfers, I think we started off strong. Uh, getting uh, Perisic, I think, was actually a really good idea. Unfortunately, um, the fact that Conte had to play him every game uh, because Sessin was injured. That was a big issue. I don't think he was, the intention was him for him to play be full time. Um, Cessna was pro- I would assume Cessna was probably going to be the more de facto starter. You know, bringing in Richarlison, I think that was always a great idea. Uh, unfortunately, he played out on the wing. Um, you know, Basuma, he's been hot and cold, but he hasn't, the system he's in hasn't been working. Um, you know, but. You know, so we start off strong, but and then you know at the, you know in August, yeah, we got Udagi, but he's on loan. We don't have, we didn't buy anybody else of note, and it just like we kind of fizzled out. So like, it's been. I mean, we bought. Well, well, jury, yeah, but jury's out on that. I mean, because we don't know what he can actually do. So, but like, I mean, I think Luke has brought up a while ago or like a few episodes ago, but like, yeah, arguably the best signing of the season was a free transfer by some guy named Fraser Forster. Uh, I think he's been serviceable when he's needed to be. And <clears throat> so I, so I'm okay with that, but I mean, overall, this has just been a perfect storm with injuries. Um, yeah. Harry Kane's probably the player of the season, but I would say Bencore is probably our most important player. He held things together. Uh, and then he, when he got injured, everything went to shit. You know, midfield got murdered even more. Uh, the big thing is, yeah, how Lucas said, we started off where best start ever. And again, I don't want to sound like that asshole Debbie Downer, but it felt about like, you know, being a second half team. I'm like, this isn't sustainable. Something's going to give. And eventually it did. Um, eventually we were kind of did a little bit better by being a first half team kind of like with Brentford uh, and some other matches, but I don't know. It's just whoever the new manager is, I know we kind of talked about with the manager, but I'm like, whoever the new manager is, like, we got to toughen these players up mentally. The talent's there, but they need to be more confident in themselves and their abilities and that they know that they can finish the job uh, because it is, I, it can happen. We just need that leader. Lucas, I saw you on mute. Yeah, the, the thing that you mentioned there, Tommy, with the injuries, <clears throat> that's just something that uh, I think I think it was poor planning in the part with Perisic. I think that we brought him in to kind of be basically a mentor to Sessin Young. Sessin Young was supposed to be – it was supposed to help him grow and become the starter, and then it ended up being Perisic playing game in and game out. And to me, that was just such poor planning because if you know anything about Sessin Young and – his time here at Spurs, you know that he's not going to be healthy for more than three weeks at a time. He's never been healthy for more than a month. 
he's constantly injured. So we, we ha- I, I think that was poor planning that we didn't expect and anticipate that to happen because it, it did right away. He had a great first game of the season. And then from Jump Street, just injuries, injuries, injuries. And the term that injuries, like the injuries that we had this season, I just think were just such, the timing was so brutal for us where you had, uh, like, for example, when the World Cup ended, Richarlson was able to play the entire World Cup and then he gets injured in like the last minute of his last game for Brazil. You look at Kulicheski, he gets to miss the World Cup, which was nice so that he didn't have to go play and he got to be rested and be training during the World Cup. And then as soon as the World Cup ends, he gets hurt in training and is out for a couple months. And then you look at Bensoncourt, he and Basuma have what basically almost bar the last two games for Basuma, but basically season ending injuries within a week of each other. And so it's like, and then Hugo got hurt in that same week. So it's, it was just, the injuries just seemed like such a perfect storm of shittiness for us. And they came at the worst times and it helped, it really prevented us from getting in a rhythm and trying to grow and build our identity under the way Conti wanted us to play. And I think it was just, it was really just a perfect shitstorm for us in terms of injuries and it sucks and that happens, but I'm really hoping that, with getting some of these guys healthy next year, we can try and have them all be healthy together for a good stretch or two to try and identify or uh, try and implement the new manager system. Cause you need to have a consistency and a, a healthy run of games for guys to kind of grow in and get the way that, or get to do the way that the new manager wants us to play. And we didn't get that this year. Yeah, no good shouts there. Um, I think this is probably a good place to go to our last listener question of the season. I'll say, um, and this one comes from loyal listener Shubes. Thank you, as always, for the uh, the question, Shubes. Uh, Tommy, do you have that question queued up? Yep. Uh, Shubes' his question, hopefully you're doing well. Good to see you last week. Uh, his question is, uh, with the team out of Europe and thus no fewer home double heathers and the general ap- apathy and toxicity around the club, do you see fewer fans making the trek over? This excludes the fans who came over for Sonny. Uh, we had, and I'll kind of put it this way, um, Subes, we met after the match. There's a handful of us that came over last weekend for the Brentford match. Um, the year before, we had 15. I think a part of it, I so, you know, we were doing a lot better. We're contending for Champions League. You know, we had Conte this year. I think it's kind of, we're in a state of flux right currently. So, because of that, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, it's just, it's unfortunate. And I I think with the current economy, that doesn't help either, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, it's just, you know, when, you're, when your team's doing well, people will come. It, it, it's the same thing with American sports. And we travel far and wide for our teams, you know, for away days for like, you know, football, baseball, basketball, et cetera. So. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I would say yes. Anybody have Anthony? Just want to. I just want to jump in real fast. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna rag on Tubes a little bit because uh, um, I, I listened to his his podcast, um, Tottenham Depot, where they'll kind of rag on him for um, like misunderstanding uh, American sports phrases. And I, I think, Tubes, you've misunderstood what a doubleheader is. Like, a doubleheader is when you have two baseball games, uh, one right after another, because you had to rain out the day before. Um, so, 
we, um, Tottenham doesn't really have double headers in the way that I think you think. So I'm just going to poke fun at you for a second there. Uh, I'm sure uh, uh, everybody from your podcast will get a kick out of that as well. But but thank you as always for the question. I'm going to let everybody else tackle the question. Um, I think John, you were up next. Or yeah. yes, um, it's not going to make any difference to me. Um, the I'm going to go back uh, for at least two games uh, at one point or another, maybe go more than once, uh, because I don't think it makes any difference how they're playing. I want to go watch my team. And I think an awful lot of people are going to think that way. Uh, the The disappointing thing, as far as my trips are concerned, is that I usually look for 10 days where I can see three games. And the reason for that is playing in Europe. Um, very often you can get a Europa Cup match in there and a couple of home games and and do that. Um, there still will be an opportunity if we play in the, the League Cup earlier in the year, um, in the in the January, February kind of window when I, when I like to go over. But um, will we see a drop in the attendance at the Tottenham Stadium? I, I don't believe we will. I, I think that there's... Uh, just as much support for Tottenham now than there than there would have been had we made Europe, and I don't see the attendance really being affected by that. Yeah, Lucas, you got your hand up there. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you there, 100. I don't think I actually think the attendance is going to be just as good as it is. I think we're going to be selling out every game just because of the fact that there are less of them. I think the fact, like John said, everyone you still want to go watch your team. Um, and now there's less opportunities to do it. So you're going to really make sure on those weekends or those FA Cup or League Cup games, you're going to want to try and get every opportunity you can to go see them. I think that the support will definitely be there uh, in terms of numbers in the in the ground. But in terms of the toxicity, that I can't answer yet because we really need to see how the summer goes. I think that if we have a – if this turns into like a circus like it did for Nuno, I could see the toxicity levels of the fan base in the stadium and – and around the club spiking through the roof very quickly. If we have another circus summer, not appointing the manager we want, not being able to get the job done. And then all of a sudden we appoint the 12th choice at the last minute and we end up having a slow start or something. I could see fans getting really, really sick of it really quickly. So I really hope that's not the case. Um, but I think we'll have good support. People will be there day in and day out, but I just don't, I really can't speak yet as to how the, the energy and the passion and the excitement's going to be in the ground until we see what we do this summer. All right, uh, John, final point, and then we're going to go. Yeah, I was just going to, we talked about the toxicity uh, with Shub's question a couple of weeks ago. And I just wondered, I was going to ask Tommy what, whether he saw that when he was back for the <coughs> game and, and, and what extent did it manifest itself? So, a few things to that. Uh, when we went over, we actually sat in the north end, and we are on top of the visitors section for Brentford. Um, it was. I think we all know that the the north side of the Spurs Stadium has traditionally been quieter. It's more family oriented, so we didn't really hear a lot of negativity. Uh, uh, another guy that goes to the bar, Tommy. We we were actually on the same train, so we walked around before the match, and we got there around 10. Uh, kickoff was, what, 1230? 
there was a small contingent of Levi, I would say maybe 50 people across from the entrance or across from the store on the other side of the road. Um, they were very loud, chanting, um, Levi out type stuff, um, bunch of signs. Uh, they're what gold and purple scarves, um, which I'll get to further down. Um, but that, that was kind of the bit I saw for the match after the match. Uh, you know, me, Peter, Tommy, and Shoe, or yeah, and Shoes, there's four of us, hung out um, after the match. And then Peter left, Tommy, Tommy left, and Shoes and I just kind of walked around. Uh, for those who don't know Shoes, of course, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a social butterfly, and he talks to anybody and everybody. So we actually talked to... A bunch of Levy out people uh, after we went to Coach and Horses by the stadium. Um, they interviewed me, and Sam actually shared the video last week on the podcast Twitter. Um, they were just asking me a bunch of questions, how I felt about the state of the squad and blah, blah. Um, while they were vocal, they were pretty res- respectful, I would say. And, but, and like I told them my ultimate wish, even though I don't think it's going to happen, is. Daniel Levy stays his own, or Enix stays his owners, but somebody has full control of the sporting side, who deals with money and all that stuff. Pipe dream, of course, but um, it wasn't as loud as I thought it would be, uh, just because Sam, who runs the Twitter, he texted me, and he's like, try to get me one of those Levy out scarves. I wasn't able to, but I'm like, like, and even though I'm on the other end of the South stand, other side of the south stand. Um, you didn't hear a lot of moaning either. I remember seeing, actually, during the match, I did see some balloons, like what gold and purple, that were floating around. Uh, eventually, security or they eventually floated like to the sideline. Security took them, popped them, but that's it. And then, oh, lastly, with the purple and gold, I actually asked them, like, what's the meaning behind those colors? They said we chose them randomly. So there is no true meaning towards it. Well, um, I think this, uh, I'm going to go right back to you, Tommy. I think this is a good place to go to our um, final segment here, which is just going to be the prediction results. So as you know, we always predict what the outcome of uh, the matches are going to be. We made uh, preseason predictions of the first episode of the the season. and uh, Tommy's going to let us know how we all did on uh, uh, on our predictions. Okay. Uh, so I'll yeah I'll start off with predictions. So the person that won actually the top three was actually three people in here. Uh, I was third place. Anthony was second, and John beat Anthony by seven points. I have a point system to all this, like you know, correct score, um, correct outcome correct score uh if you get all the scores correct you get a certain amount of points as well but john beat anthony by seven points so congrats to him uh i did that well to be honest yeah <laughs> wow i'm i'm stunned i am absolutely stunned that so yeah john um here's your imaginary trophy uh <laughs> it can join the uh 2008 carlin cup trophy at the stadium um in terms of general predictions, everybody failed in terms of where Spurs would score or place. 
um, and top four, or top four, a lot of people chose City, but uh, we all predicted first through third by the looks, or yeah, first through third place. Of course, we got eighth place, so it didn't happen. Um, in terms of outlandish prediction, uh, we did get some, so I'll just go with the ones that were correct. Um, Nate, he got Tuchel, resigns midseason. Tall Rick said Lester and Rogers part ways. Uh, shorter Rick, who's British, uh, said Lampa, Lampard fired. Mike uh, Lampard fired at the, by November. And Jeff Delhi out of the Premier League. Who would have? I mean, it, like this was even before he went on loan to what Besiktas. So yeah, I couldn't even believe that. Uh, in terms of bottom three, so everybody knows uh, what is it? Lester Leeds and. Southampton got relegated. The only ones that got right, it was looks like half of us got leads correct, but nobody even thought Southampton or Leicester would go down. Um, next up, Golden Boot. A few of us got Holland and De Bruyne, De Bruyne um, but not both. FA Cup, nobody even got it. We Everybody expected us to at least do quarterfinals and Unfortunately, we could not sniff that. Uh, let's see, League Cup. What was it? British Rick, he got third round. Everybody thought we'd go deep into that as well. Group stage, of, what is it? Three of us, uh, round of 16. So uh, we expected deeper runs. So, like, I mean, since we talked about our season review our little bit, everybody believed that we were going to do well this season. Uh, as, we, as everybody can tell, we did not, unfortunately. So expectations were not even maintained or exceeded. Uh, next up, I want to go to MVP and LVP. So firstly, with MVP, uh, while we were doing MVP and LVP for leads, you know, I was kind of finalizing everything from that. We actually have a deadlock for the most MVP votes, which I will get to. Very shortly uh, in the radio business, we call that a teaser. Um, in double digits, we got Ben Core with number with ten. I think if he played for the rest of the season, he would pro- he probably would have been top three easily. Uh, Dayan Kulishevsky twelve, uh, Charleston sixteen. It is kind of weird. I think it's because you know he'll score the random goal for effort or his Champions League exploits against Marseille. That probably why. Uh, Son with eighteen and. A deadlock for first place, <clears throat> which is one should be surprising. Um, the other one isn't. 19 votes, Harry Kane. The other one tied, who actually probably, sh- if you factor in the numbers, probably should be our MVP of the season, would be Pedro Poro. And he only played half the season. Um, I think that's actually pretty in- impressive, you know, considering the circumstances. Um, in terms of MVP wins, Poro actually got five. Kane had five and a half wins because it was a deadlock. You know, say if there's four people, two people chose Harry Kane, two people chose whomever. MVP votes. This was a bit of a wild one. I think a lot of this should be expected. Um, double digits. Sanchez, Dyer, that shouldn't be unexpected. Romero, same thing. He's been very hot and cold. Emerson Royale. Same thing, even though, he had, I mean, they all have been putting the effort. It's just the application has not been great. 
Nunn is second place with 19 votes. Uh, LVP votes topped with 23 and a half. Son, I think it's kind of a testament to, we know his talent's there, but based on expectations and how he's been playing, it hasn't been there. Um, and he was actually by, let's see. Okay, so the top three for LVP wins the dishonorable, the, the dishonor of that. Um, Romero with three and a third. None with five and a half. And then Sun wins with 6.08 votes. Uh, the reason 6.08 is because he had half a win. And then nobody could figure out who wanted, or we couldn't figure out a collective for LVP um, for a win. So I just split it up. So he had, what, a third of a win. So it's, so if you look at these numbers, it's actually kind of interesting, just based on expectations who's been playing well, who's not being pretty well. I think the biggest thing that's impressive, though, is Pedro Poro. I brought him up in the first half where I'm like, or Lucas agreed or brought it up as well, where what happens if he was here for the full season? Um, I think he probably would have been MVP by far. Uh, but I think with Harry Kane also, the other reason why he's gotten so many low votes, we've all talked about it, it's like, we expect the best from him usually happens. So we, I think a lot of it is we give it to somebody else. Um, anybody have any thoughts about this? Cause that's well, all I have. My thought is, uh, if we, if we had Pedro Poro for the whole season, would Conte still be our coach? Um, that, I, that, so. I would not be surprised because the other thing with Royale is, I mean, yeah, I'm thankful for his effort, but we played him by necessity. So, yeah, with Pedro Poro, I'm like, yeah, it, it, there are some times where he didn't look great. But if, like I said before, the talent was clear there. And Royal was, is certainly good at his position, which is fullback. But he, uh, And I think he's a really good fullback, actually, but he's just not a wingback. And, yeah, if we had had a legitimate wingback the whole season, how what, what kind of difference would that make? Right. That's a... And probably somebody other than Sessegnon on the, on the other side, to be fair. I mean, Perisic had moments, but, um, but you know, he couldn't do it the whole season. Um, Lucas, you look like you want to jump in there. No, I, I was going to agree with you. I said, like, I think it would have been – there's a very good chance that Conti – that's what I – when I said we didn't spend right – we didn't spend correctly last summer, that was the most important thing to me was bringing in current – wingbacks that could like proper wingbacks that were good now not just because we got guys in Udagi and Spence but those were young guys for the future I was it was more important to me that we bring in guys wingbacks now that are ready to succeed now because we didn't know how long Conti was going to be here we had a really small window of opportunity with one of the best managers in the world and I don't think we did the right uh, we didn't spend the right way, and I think, but if we had, I think Conti could still be here, and we might not be in the position we are. So it's one of those things where that's that's how it goes sometimes with football. You're on mute. You're on mute, Anthony. Uh, let Let's have a final thoughts on the uh, the season as a whole before we wrap up this season, because this is our season wrap up episode. Um, anybody uh, want to put a bow on this season? 
uh, before we, uh, we we go? Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I'll say this. Um, I know we're all in a pretty disappointed place right now, and I just want to remind everyone, I don't have the most confident, I don't have a ton of confidence that we're going to be able to do all the correct things we need to do this summer and make all the right choices. But that being said, we could. And football is very fickle that way. Um, we, I talk about it all the time where one week we beat Man City and we feel like we're going to be making a push for the top four. And then the next week we're getting knocked out of the cup by a lower league side. So it's just, you, you never know. Um, I just want to remind people, yeah, we're in a really disappointed place right now. But just think, last year at this time, we were on top of the world. So who knows? By next year, we might be having... By, by Christmas, we might be on top of the league and having all the things we want. So, who knows? Stay positive and keep backing the boys. Definitely. Uh, uh, John, I think you had your hand up. Yeah, I wanted to say essentially the same thing. Um, yeah, we're disappointed, but we're going to forget about that um, sometime over the summer. And I hope that we return with all the enthusiasm and support that we normally have and and expectations next year um, of what is a fantastic football club. Um, and yeah, we're going to have good years. We're going to have not so good years, but uh, you know, that, that doesn't change anything about the way I feel about this team. And, uh, you know, I'll take a, a few days off to, uh, to forget about my disappointment and then we move on from there. And I hope that everybody else feels the same way. You know, let's come on you Spurs is, um, there's no other team like them. They are brilliant. I love them. And, um, I wish, uh, and yeah, let's forget about the disappointment and, and move on. So that's, do you have uh, anything to add? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm happy about the season being over. It's been lackluster, but let's give this new director of football and manager a chance. Let's see how things go. Let's see how the summer pans out. Hopefully we can get some new signings, bring some new life into the squad. Let's see how it goes. Um, as Lucas would say, football's fickle. Um, John was saying, you know, he's been a fan a long time. I mean, I don't love Spurs any less. I think the reason why I'm so thrilled is because I love them so much. And if I wasn't so critical, I probably couldn't give two shits about them. So, you know, let's get Dion signed. Uh, let's get some more signings. Let's see. Let's see how the preseason goes. I'm very, you know, I think the big storylines is, you know, whoever comes back on loan, whether it be Udagi, uh, Spence, et cetera. Let's see what they go. Because essentially everybody has a fresh start. Uh Hopefully they make the most of it and bring on August. And I think that's a great point, Tommy. Like, you know what? Just because we're disappointed doesn't mean that we don't love this club. And I think a lot of people uh, will uh, project their frustration with the uh, ownership um, and other frustrations about how things went or with the coaches. Um, with their and just mix them all up with their love of the club, and we have to keep that separate. We're gonna love this club no matter what. Um, we could be disappointed and have a disappointing year, 
Uh, but I can't wait to get back to watch them again next season. And I think that's how really everybody should uh, should everybody should uh, support a club. Like I, I don't think you should come at it from this negativity at all times. Yeah, have your frustration, talk about it, vent with your friends, and move on. Uh, and and look forward to the next season and hope for better. Um, but I think this is a great place to wrap it up. Uh, so I'm um, I'm Anthony. You can find me on Twitter at, at Callahan42 K A L I H I N four two. Lucas, where can they find you? Uh, same as always, Twitter and Instagram, L-U-C-A-S-R-U-S-K-E, all one word, Lucas Rusky. Um, anyone, always welcome to Talk Spurs anytime. Tommy, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. My Twitter handle is LilyWhiteCoys, the way it should be spelled. And John, um, I know you don't have tons, but you can be found on Facebook, right? I. I can be found on Facebook. Um, if you if you look up the name John Howard, you get a lot of responses. But um, I th- I think you'll you'll be able to figure out uh, which one I am out of all that because of the Spurs references. So um, yeah, and so I can be found on Facebook and as usual at home. Great. Well, thanks. Th- thank you so much to Tommy, Lucas, and John for being on today. But that about wraps it up. So thank you to Tommy for editing today, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Great to see a lot of new faces out there for the holiday weekend here. Um, Find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. Uh, Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those platforms or give us a review wherever. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you